0: Okay, so after both Rashad and I had our rants about misconceptions concerning animated movies and discussing the masterpiece that is Wolfwalkers, today I'll be talking about two more recent feature length animated movies that I really liked. But today, uh, but first, let's talk about a short film. Because Pixar isn't just famous for its feature-length films, but also for its amazing short films. And my favorite one is called Bao.
1: Oh, God. I was going to guess. Like, if you're talking about Bao, I'm going to lose my mind. I love that one.
0: (laughs) Well, get ready to lose your mind. Because I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, Exactly. So Bao is an animated short film from 2018 written and directed by Domi Shi. And the film, which does not have any dialogue, follows an older Chinese-Canadian woman who struggles with empty nest syndrome. One day, she prepares Bao Zi for dinner when one of them comes alive, uh, as they do, you know, in movies, movie magic. She decides to raise it as though it was her child, and they go through the various stages of childhood and pubescence, during which the overprotective nature of the woman eventually clashes with the bun's uh, increasing desire for autonomy which as we find out later mirrors her experience with her biological son and this short film is easily my favorite of the Pixar shorts it's incredibly moving and I would go so far as to say that it's up there with any other Pixar movie including yes the beginning of Up (laughs) i was
1: gonna say that's like the the gold standard
0: it really is and i and i do think it's like in terms of like emotional gravity like it is just so i think they're they're definitely on par with each other they are like i don't know i don't know like the most emotional pixar moments for sure
1: yeah bow is amazing you're not gonna get me say anything bad about it good
0: Uh, do you want to say anything good about it (laughs) while we're talking about it
1: I mean everything that you've already. I guess you've already said uh, how emotional it is. It's the relation to the way it highlights relationships of parents and and children, with mixed with like cultural connections and this idea of kind of breaking free and all that it adds on top of um, just like in the context of food as well, which is near Mm. and dear to my own heart. And I think it's it's about obviously how we convey love and connection, but also how we then um, find our own selves within a larger um, journey of not only being a child and trying to break free, but also accepting of those differences and how life changes for the parents too. It's just like, I can't really relate too much to the parent side of things, even though you can understand it intellectually and emotionally, but as a whole, it's just like, and also the fact that similar to the beginning of Up, it's done with no dialogue, and it's able to convey such a wonderful story. That it's also with Bow in particular, it adds a level of cuteness and and visual beauty in a way that is it's just incredible. All of it. Um, so no, bow's great. I,
0: I love it. Bow is great, and I I don't know when I first saw it, it was it wasn't in twenty eighteen, but like some some ye- years later. So when I heard that Domechi, the director, got her very own feature film. Uh, Are you talking extremely... about Turning Red today? Yes. Yes. Oh, I actually <laughs> just re-watched it yesterday. Oh, that's great. <laughs> great timing then. Um, yeah, so I'm the first movie that I'm going to talk about today is Turning Red. Um, and yeah, just as Bao was the first Pixar short directed by a woman, Turning Red was the first Pixar feature film. Uh, directed by a woman, and the second with an Asian lead. Uh, Set in 2002 in the city of Toronto, Turning Red is a coming-of-age comedy about May, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl who starts turning into a big red panda whenever she gets too excited. She finds out that this runs in her family, and she has to navigate the world in that state until a ritual to seal away that red panda spirit can be performed. Meanwhile, uh, May feels torn between uh, and struggles with being a good daughter, especially pleasing her mother Ming, being a good friend, and uh, gaining more autonomy at the onset of puberty. And whilst watching that movie, I could really feel that this is a personal story that means a lot to its director, and it really nails a lot of things about how it feels to be an awkward and confused 13-year-old. It's a very relatable movie. Um, we all can remember what those struggles were like at that age. And with the best comedies, the film has a deeply touching emotional core while it's being wrapped up in absolute hilarity. And I don't know, I've been... I'm not usually one who laughs out loud at movies, but this movie just got to me, and that's obviously a great sign. And I don't want to talk about... like I didn't want to get too much into the... Um, plot of things but maybe we can talk about that later um i will i was sure you had seen it but yeah i don't want to spoil things too much <laughs> fair to say we i i love that movie um and yeah i'm definitely gonna talk about some themes now but maybe then afterwards we can we can talk about more about our impressions of the movie sure go ahead Okay, cool. So in terms of themes, uh, one of the more obvious is that the panda can be seen as a metaphor for menstruation, which is directly addressed in the movie too. Uh, And puberty in terms of, you know, getting bigger, gaining weight, smelling differently, or as it's depicted badly, um, growing hair and all of that. Um, But independently of the panda, uh, generally exploring the confusing feeling of a sudden attraction to boys and her environment uh, and the boy band four town of which may and her friends are big 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 fans and get very excited about um then there are the topics of family dynamics parental expectations uh conflicts between different generations of immigrants and intergenerational trauma all of which are interrelated may is a third generation chinese canadian and it is hinted at that the red panda transformation that runs in her family was uh, only suppressed since coming to North America. Now, a nod to the notion of fitting in assimilation integration. At the same time, the movie does a great job of portraying that panda aside, May can and likes having both sides of that hyphen of Chinese-Canadian. But the panda transformation isn't the only pressure that results in intergenerational trauma. Because as we can see in one of, I think, One of the most touching moments in the film, the struggle between conforming to one's parents' ideas, expectations, and ambitions on the one side and becoming an autonomous, independent individual that lives their own life can and has been crushing uh, and result in uh, emotional scars for, you know, it's not just Mei who feels that. Um, And I really want to stress, though, that Ming, our protagonist's mother, is not just portrayed as a stereotype of, you know, a tyrannical fury or worse, the so called Tiger Mom. Uh, no, she too is entirely relatable, despite not necessarily agreeing with, you know, all of her actions and decisions. I could always see where she was coming from, uh, which I really must credit uh, the writing and character design for. It's an incredible feat, and I must really applaud the creative team, which no for this movie was entirely female just like basically all of the most important characters in the film which is also a first and uh one last thing about the you know the more more content of of the movie is just the topic of friends because i don't know like a lot of media about people with superhuman powers is about keeping it secret, hiding it, and, you know, including hiding it from people one is close with. But uh, in Turning Red, May's friends and peers love her panda side, and and only her mother, for her own reasons, insists that she must hide it. Her friends are a great support group and embrace May unquestioningly, which I found very striking and moving. And, I know, I just love the portrayal of friendship in this movie. And... Yeah, I briefly wanted to mention that you know the music is great. It's kind of a mix of orchestral music with some traditional Chinese instruments as like accentuations, um, which was composed by uh, Ludwig Göransson, of which both Richard and I are a big fan. It's his debut animation score, even I uh, I was flabbergasted to find out. Um, but a big part of the music is also the boy band pop music written by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, and the voice cast and what an amazing cast it is including Rosalie Chang uh, Sandra Oh and James Hong the cast really did an impeccable job as well for, um you know bringing across all of these different emotions and it just felt natural to the characters as well and so so lastly before we basically before I let you talk <laughs> is you know talking about the animation because this is an animated movie and I just want to highlight a few stylistic choices. Um, because this movie is a bit different from a lot of the more recent Pixar movies. And I know there has been some criticism about that, but I really loved it. Um, some people, for example, really dislike the like big and shiny starry eyes, kind of reminiscent of anime, which the girls sometimes get when they were looking at someone or something cute. Um, but I really like that stylistic choice. Same with the depiction of body types, which the creative team called chunky cute, and they integrated a lot of quote unquote imperfections and thus, in my mind, achieving a much more realistic look of the characters. Um, and, you know, also while while I'm at it, I can really recommend as well um, the uh something that's called Embrace the Panda, which is basically a 45 minute making off that you can find on Disney Plus. Which is just really interesting to watch. But um possibly my favorite stylistic choice was in terms of the colors, because of course, you know, turning red, red panda, all of that. And so not only do May and her friends all dress in their individual palettes, red, green, yellow, and purple, but also when it comes to May's family, namely the fact that May wears red and some purple and pink, so colours that are like where red plays a huge part. Um, but her mother Ming, who had already sealed away her red panda spirit, wears green, which on the classic color wheel is the direct opposite of red. And the same goes for Mei's aunts and grandmother. And I thought that that was just a, such a subtle thing. Um, but I, I love it and I can, can never unsee it in the best possible way. So, you know, <laughs> that is my very, very quick run through through why i love this movie uh, just like not talking about the content too much but just there's so much in it, it is so dense and it's just a great movie and already a contender for the next academy award for best animated movie which uh you know hopefully will this uh, will treat the medium with the respect it deserves um but yeah now now that i've kind of <laughs> very very quickly ran through a lot of the points of why I love this movie Rashad what did you think of it
1: it's great it's such a good movie I mean <laughs> just, I am mean, I agree with everything that you said I love the visuals I love the music that the in the climactic scene of the film where they sort of mix the boy band pop music with the traditional chinese song i guess mm-hmm. and then mix together as it as it comes as it comes together and you're realizing what's happening it seem it's so beautiful and how it's done so I, I like i mean this i don't even know my thoughts really aren't organized on this um as my thoughts my thoughts are really never organized let's be honest but <laughs> it's just a great movie from start to finish i think that it it, it is also by Shi. it is is somewhat it's described as somewhat biographical or autobiographical. Mm -hmm. So she talks about her experiences a little bit. And I can only imagine that, you know, there's a scene where um, I, I don't know what to describe too much, but her mother comes to the school and uh, it becomes, it's played for laughs and it's a really Mm -hmm. funny scene, I think. Um, And it's just like, imagine that happening in real life. It just (laughs) was really funny, honestly. Uh, no, I think it's it's just a really heartwarming story about you know family and relationships, so whether that be and being torn between friends and, and responsibility towards a, a, a cultural background and a lot of different things about what it means to be born and raised in a specific co- cultural context outside of one's own and being and placing oneself through it and the movie does a great job. About what I would call subtle representation, like Mm -hmm. it represents a lot of different people and uh, backgrounds and et cetera, et cetera, without making it a big deal, without overgeneralizing things, without essentializing people's identities in a way that a lot of we we often it gets trapped in how people um, are represented. So I just found it um, from top to bottom. It's just not only a good film in and of itself, but inspiring. For the future of specifically Pixar, but also animation in general as a genre moving forward,
0: yeah absolutely and Dome, she has uh i think she has been promoted and has like a big ba- I think she's vice president now or something um so yeah that she she's definitely going up the ranks uh, deservedly very much so, and uh, yeah i'm I'm just so. I've been thinking about this, about all of the movies that have been coming out the last three, four years and how much, I don't know, representation is well handled in like a lot of the movies, um, which, you know, there can, there can be a sort of the will to do, to do that. And then it can be cringy, but I think there have been quite a lot of movies recently that are really doing a good job, um, and yeah just like the one thing that i would also just like to stress again is that the tone of the movie is just great it's it kind of reminded me of uh ted lasso in a way because you know just n- nailing both the hilarious jokes and moments and uh but also having this you know emotional core to it because I don't I don't know I don't want to sit through a movie where it's just joke after joke after joke. I want to I want to have some something to, you know, that that stirs up my emotions and I think this movie does it so beautifully. You're going to get no argument from me. <laughs> okay, cool. Um yeah, I don't know. It's I I was really thinking about like all of the different ways in which I love this movie and it's so much and I could literally talk about this for 90 minutes or longer but i don't know i try to to really condense it
1: yeah you do a good job of condensing your thoughts i on the other hand have a problem with that
0: (laughs) well i i've also put a lot a lot of time into preparation (laughs) i was like if if you had if i had been you know recording this straight after watching it i would have been like all over the place but uh you know I I have extensive notes, <laughs> so that helps. Uh, it's a good movie; everybody should see it. Literally, everybody should see it.
1: Honestly, whoever doesn't watch every Pixar movie as it comes out, just to start with, like, I I think you know, for all the shit that Pixar has gone through, it's still we've said the the word I guess today already, but it is still the gold standard for animation coming out of you know the United States, and I Absolutely. think it's it, it, every movie they they make is worth watching they are a varying quality of course but this is of course near the top of the list
0: yeah and this is definitely one of my favorite just movies full stop that has been coming out in a long time and if we were to redo our top four pixar movies this would easily be on that list i could imagine did we do that We did that in the top four Palooza. We did both Ah, Disney and Pixar movies. Shout out to the top four Palooza. You should should all listen to that. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so uh, next up, we have a film that follows in the footsteps. Speaking of movie lists, uh, of my favorite animated movie of the last decade, Into the Spider-Verse.
1: Oh my god, you're really killing it today with these <laughs>
0: films. Oh, it's just so good. Uh, so you know what's coming up now?
1: Oh wait, it's not
0: It's wait, not Spider-Verse. Ah, no. oh, man.
1: Okay, but still, I'm sure it'll be good. I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, okay.
0: <laughs> no, it's not Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which was amazing and we talked about it in our top 10 movies of the 2010s, but I'm talking uh about uh, another lord and miller production the one they did yeah after into the spider verse and if i had watched it earlier i would have definitely included it in my nominees for the hookies um, because i'm going to be talking about sony pictures animations 2021 film the mitchells versus the machines never heard of it never heard of it okay you should watch it <laughs> um so yeah, obviously Phil Lord and Christopher Miller—they did *Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs*. Um, they were involved in *Solo* for a long time before being fired by Disney, um, and they also de- uh, were involved in making uh, *Into the Spider-Verse*, which you know, I think it was my third favorite movie of the 2010s, and I love the- easily the best animated uh, movie. Just spectacular. Um, But this movie, uh, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, is somewhat different. (laughs) It follows Katie Mitchell, a young and quirky aspiring filmmaker. Uh, In an attempt to smooth things over with her, her father Rick decides to take the entire family, including Katie's mother Linda, her her younger brother Aaron, and the family dog Monchi, on a road trip to drop Katie off at her first semester in film school. It just so happens That this road trip coincides with the beginning of a robot apocalypse. Uh, The movie was written by Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe of Gravity Falls fame and was the directorial debut of Rianda. It's packed with quirks and quips, filled with unrelenting, always forward-pushing energy. It's incredibly funny, wholesome, and relatable on so many levels. And whilst there is a lot of commentary on technology, the focus and emotional core of the movie is the Mitchell family and its dynamics, centered on Katie. She doesn't get along that well with her father, who is a very analog person and doesn't understand his daughter's quirky creativity and passion for filmmaking. That kind of conflict is, I think, often poorly handled in media with more of a cardboard cut-out, stereotypical sort of depiction. But as with Turning Red... I could always understand where both Katie and Rick were coming from. Another great relationship is that of Katie and her younger brother, Aaron, who for me is the secret star of this movie. They have such a close bond that just feels natural. They just get each other. They're both kind of weird and quirky, um, but they're just, they could just go along f- like really well. And Katie's impending farewell is obviously not easy for Aaron. But he also has his own things going on that the movie is, you know, depicting. And it's, it's, I don't know, super, super touching as well. And um, yeah, and another relationship this movie mentions throughout, and <laughs> it's a big part of it, obviously, is that between humans and technology, there's a lot of commentary about ever-present screens, the changing media landscape, and the related generational gap, Um Or about social media perfectionism as well, and like mental health and all of these things. Uh, There are some great scenes about all of this without being preachy or eye-rollingly, you know, like eye roll inducing Um, I think the movie does a good job of remarking on these things, stating observations uh, without passing judgment or taking sides. Um, And two scenes that I just want to mention are the Mitchells trying to sit at a dinner table uh, without looking at screens for 10 seconds uh, and you know uh, that is not easy for everyone and the other is that uh that of a tech entrepreneur experiencing glimpses into the physical experience of being a smartphone both of which could have been easily a trope-filled eye-roll-inducing moment but they're just hilariously done and um, stylistically it is very much reminiscent of spider-verse but i also caught like glimpses of scott pilgrim which obviously i love as well so that was a a win in my book but it's also distinct and diverse the movie uses a mix of 2d and 3d animation techniques also includes cg animation and even live action footage it just looks so lovingly crafted whilst making some interesting bold and quirky choices and i realize (laughs) i realize that i use the word quirky a lot talking about this movie but it really is the best way to summarize the feel and look of this movie. The voice cast is packed with amazing people who just nailed their performances and the mix of a soundtrack by various well-known artists and the score by Mark Mothersbaugh really works. So yeah, all in all, it is, just, I, again, I don't want to talk about it too much. I just want you guys to experience this. Richard, now you haven't seen this movie yet, but I really, really strongly suggest that you do. As with Turning Red, I was surprised at how often I just laughed out loud. It has so many just hilarious moments. But, you know, it also has a really touching really touching moments and, you know, emotional core. Um, so that way, Turning Red and Mitchells are really, really alike. Um, and I don't know, they're both very different movies. But they're both very similar in, in certain regards. And, you know, they have family dynamics at their heart and the message to embrace yourself, with a, uh, which I think are just universal topics. Um, and just to kind of put a bow onto it, you know, all three of the movies I've talked about in the last Weekly Hook on this one have female protagonists. You know, it's Wolf Walkers, Turning Red and Mitchells versus the Machines. And uh, there has been a lot of criticism, especially with turning red, that they're not relatable, which is A, ridiculous, and B, just uh, to to put the gender goggles on for a second, just fuels the patriarchal notion of media and stories that only if the protagonist is male, and as an aside, mostly is white, uh, the story is universal, which is even more bonkers considering, considering the case of, say, ratatouille a movie with a protagonist who is literally a red but still considered universal and maybe that's partly because remy is portrayed and read as male um and in a largely white human environment too um the same goes for let's say a bug's life toy story monsters inc um but i think someone struggling with growing up puberty fighting for one's autonomy and that clashing with expectations set of them by their parents or society at large, all of that is universal, no matter the gender or ethnicity or whatever the protagonist. I don't really need to wave the flag of showing variety here. But this whole discussion just really annoys me. And I've been I try to avoid all of the like, what did people not like about these movies? But I that was kind of a that came up a lot and just really I hate that sort of argument because it's a nonsensical one. And yeah, just like R is my is my summary about this is like how you I just it does not compute. Um so yeah, I can just very much recommend all of those three animated movies. And no matter who you are, dear listener, there is something in those movies you will be able to relate to, I promise.
1: It sounds great, the second movie. I I think I'll watch it today. That's the plan now. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> and great. also, it's a reason for me to maybe keep Netflix. We'll see.
0: Ah. <gasps> I mean, you still have it for three weeks.
1: Yeah, that's why I got to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no i think it'll be uh sounds amazing sounds the themes that they're going through um that based on how you described it seem right up my alley and of course preaching all the gender stuff so it's uh i mean
0: let's go <laughs> that's all i can say yeah i don't know it was really interesting and that's kind of how i structured it as well because in terms of age of the protagonist i kind of went from because you know in the first movie it's kind of still in a child uh you know still still like a a girl now uh, turning red is kind of on the onset of puberty and uh uh mitchell's is very much someone who is uh, you know a teen like a late teen about to leave their home and um i know it was just an interesting way of seeing these movies as well as kind of a, they all talk about the same things and but but there's kind of a there there's some a lot of things that unite those movies and it just so happens that they're all animated so that was kind of a that kind of two things that i really cared about was the the themes of it but also of course talking about animated movies and how they're great and a great medium and a lot of the things that happen in those movies can only be achieved in animation and i i just applaud the creative teams of the respective movies for the genius honestly that they've and all of the hard work that they've put into making these movies the masterpieces that they are
1: well on that note thank you so much for sharing and it's great to hear Everything that, I mean, every, anytime you give me a movie recommendation, I know it's going to be good and this time I'm very excited again to watch a new film, so thank you.
0: My pleasure. I can't, I'm, I'm so curious, what you think? I'll report back. <laughs> and I hope you, our
1: listener, also enjoyed listening to Chris's recommendations and will check out these films if you haven't seen them already and if you did enjoy the show... There are many ways you can support the show,
0: one of which can be Chris. Uh, give us the the best sort of rating you can give us on wherever you listen to podcasts. So people, you know, other people who haven't come across the show yet, it, it makes it easier for them to find us.
1: And if you want to get in contact, what's the best way that people can do that, Chris?
0: Uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, serialhook.com, where you can just find all of the various ways of getting in touch. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.